retweet if you can. PGA Nation, we are back. And we are heading to North Carolina. Uh, Quail Hollow, fun course. Uh, has a lot of tradition. Not, not oh, Quail Hollow. Not Quail Hollow. I lied. I'm, I'm off. Where it's normally I'm... Quail Hollow. Oh. But it's actually in my backyard. So I grew up in Northern Virginia, which is basically the town adjacent to Potomac, Maryland. So because Quail Hollow, I guess, Spencer, correct me if I'm wrong, they're hosting the President's Cup, right? Exactly. And so we are having, just like in 2017, 2018, we're having this tournament actually in Potomac, Maryland at Avenel. So there you go. There you have it. Avenel. So it's going to be interesting this week. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a change up for, for the Wells Fargo, but we have a fun field ahead of us. Um, a, I think there are some similarities to last week, but I think a little bit more of the top guys to kind of round out the fields, which will make it a little bit more strategic for this one, add a little bit more of a challenge. Um, but before we dive into this week's tournament, uh, I want to congratulate the audience. Audience did a great job getting the W last week, taking us down, drafting a great team. And with that being said, um, Ivan, you're already in here. We'll see if you have any competition because you guys won, as you know, the way it goes. The winner of the draft gets to pick the next week's order. So the audience, you get to pick um, the next, the first person to comment the, and I'm going to make this challenging, Leading scorer from your team last week will be the person who gets to pick the draft order. So if you don't get that right away, it's going to be Ivan since he was the first comment. But we'll give you guys a few minutes to go look back, try and remember who was the leading scorer from your lineup. Whoever first person to put that person's name in will pick the order for the draft tonight. I actually don't even remember who that was on their team. I can't remember if they had the challenge for all of us. All right. <laughs> um, we should be able to pull up last week's roster pretty quick. Uh, drafted rosters pretty quickly, can we? Not if not, then I'll I'll change the. Um... Did someone tweeted it right? It's on Twitter. Yeah, I can but find I... it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, audience, let us know. We have a few already in there. Oh, we have um, some. We oh, have some we fun. have David, and and I don't know if I'm pronouncing David. I think it's Bileski. I'm not really sure. Uh, guys, just so you know, David's going to be a new writer for us. Um, he's going to jump into Discord this week. Uh, David is going to be a, a huge boon for the Win Daily team for a couple reasons. One is he's an absolute marksman when it comes to the PGA Tour, but perhaps more importantly for us, for all of the, us that are so you know centered on the PGA Tour and the American players and maybe have some blind spots for the people on the European Tour and some of these other tours, he specializes in, in those players, and it's partly because he lives in New Zealand. So he has been messaging me back and forth about guys he likes, both on the PGA Tour and otherwise, a lot of European players. And honestly, he's been hitting, he's been hitting pretty big uh, in a pretty big way. He, they don't have DFS in New Zealand, but what they do have is the betting market. So you know there's crossover. Of course, Spencer, you know that because you do the Better Golf Pod. Um, he's going to be in our Discord uh, as early as probably tonight. Or, or tomorrow, and he's going to be giving out some of his picks. And then in the research tab, I think he's going to post an article. And then eventually he's going to have just an article up like like we always do on windailysports.com. So everybody um, stay tuned for for David because he is his content is definitely going to be really, really solid. So de- make sure you get in Discord tonight. Welcome, David, um, and we'll go from there. 
David, welcome to the squad. It is, we are super excited to have you join the team. Uh, and we're super threatened to have you a, drafting against us tonight with the audience team. So oh, yeah, good luck true. in your first draft tonight uh, going up against us. But before we dive into things, uh, everyone get your last nominations in for the high score last week so you can see who picks the draft order. But let's start off with um, our course breakdown. A little bit different, right? It's not, as I learned already tonight, it's not Quail Hollow. So um, it's a different course. Spence, as everyone knows, you give the best course breakdown in the industry. How are you going to hit him up with us this week in terms of a different look or feel for this event? Really quickly, can I mention one thing before we get to the course breakdown here? Oh, please. So... This is how strong the lineups are that we give out on this show, whether that be the audience, you, Sia, Joel, myself. I am pretty sure that seven of the last eight tournaments, my lineup has cashed. And that hasn't even resulted in a win in a, a handful of those weeks. So uh, it's always stout competition between the four of us doing this. So uh, congratulations to the audience winning last week, you guys. You guys clipped me a little bit on that. Uh, we'll see who ends up getting the number one pick this week. Just remember who congratulated you guys just right now with that. But um, oh, real quick, let me add to that because I want everyone just to realize that it's not like Spencer or any of us are able to just pick our favorite lineup and then it cashes, right? We are competing, taking our favorite players from each other. So considering we're still cashing, having to widen our, our player pool greatly to draft against each other shows that we're giving you guys, you know, a pretty competitive player pool to choose from to go out and compete each week. If you took the four lineups that we put together, I think you get pretty close to optimal a lot of weeks, which is just incredible. Yeah. yeah the player pool is what that speaks to is the player pool that we're creating. And, and by the way, that's the audience too. So it's us three and every single person that is in the chat. We're creating a player pool that if, if you relegated your player pool to the people that we have picked and that you have picked, it's extremely likely that you're going to cash every single week, whether it's GPP or in cash. That's not a guarantee by any means, but I think that's what that really speaks to is that, you know, we always talk about player pool. How deep is the player pool? You know, it kind of depends on how many contests you're playing and what type of contests you're playing. But I can, we can assure you just based on what Spencer brought up that of the 24 that we're picking, um, that's a nice pool to pick from. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that very quickly before the course breakdown, but I will run us into it right now. So with Quell Harlow being the host or with being the host for the President's Cup, I wanted to say what Joel just said there. <laughs> uh, the PGA Tour will instead head to TPC Potomac, a venue that will serve as the host stop. Thankfully, we've seen this course in action a few times over the past handful of years as the facility served as the location for the 2017 and 2018 Quicken Loans. And while I won't necessarily be using those two events for tracking when I look into course history, just because of the length since we've last seen activity at the stop, the statistical breakdown provides a solid picture into what to expect. TPC Potomac accentuates accuracy in all avenues, thanks to its narrow landing areas and smaller than average greens. We saw those two factors highlighted with over three inch thick rough, and the ability to offer a complete tee to green game should be heavily factored in since putting is reduced on these small bent grass surfaces. That sounds like something Sia is going to like this week. I know Sia is mm -hmm. always on those guys like Kyle Stanley. So uh, this feels winner. like the perfect, yeah, this feels like the perfect tournament for you this week, Sia. But yeah. uh, I will very quickly go into my model. I don't want to spend too much time before we get into the show. 
I started with weighted T to green for 30%. If we do take the 2017 and 2018 versions of the course, 71% of the strokes gain data came from T to green. I reallocated those percentages to feature 35% off the T, 50% approach from 150 yards and beyond, and 15% sand save percentage, 10% at strokes gain total at TPC properties, 10% on strokes gain total on firm plus fast greens. That category is about as straightforward as it sounds. Weighted par four scoring 15%. Eight of the 12 par four stretch between 440 to 490 yards. There are two at 360 and 365, one at 412, and then a drivable par four measuring 299 yards. Total driving geared towards accuracy for 20%. If you listen to the Better Golf Pod, you can get a little bit more of a breakdown there of why I have it that way. A lot of it has to do with just the ball striking and the rough being as penal as it is. And then I finished with ball striking for 15%. That double dipped into some of the total driving numbers and also added in a 70% weight on GIR percentage to account for these greens. I love it. There it is. That is huge. Make sure you listen back on that. Have an understanding of what you're looking for on the course this weekend before we dive in and draft. Now, I normally start the show kind of asking you guys how you're doing. We gave that a minute. Before we dive in and we get the draft going, I want to start. We're able to get uh, any clearance or an answer on who the leading scorer for the winning team was. Yes. Who was it? It was Brandon Wu. Brandon Wu. We did have that. That was put in. Who gave us the answer? Yeah, somebody gave us that. I think it was Ivan. Ivan. Very good. The first person. uh, Second. Very close to the first. Great job. Ivan, congratulations. You are picking the draft order tonight. So you tell us what order you want the show to go in. Do you want the audience picking first? Do you want me picking first? Give us one through four. We'll put it up. We'll get the draft going. Ivan, I'll give you literally one minute to think about it. Put it in the chat. We'll put it up while you're doing so. See, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. You know, we were talking about last week before we went live and, uh, it's funny, like I, I had a positive week last week, but it wasn't super positive. I literally won a couple bucks and I'm that's not me like throwing out the word a couple. Like I actually won, I put a lot of money in to DraftKings. I literally won $2 and it was because, and I think this is important to talk about, it's because I went against what I said I was going to do on the front end of the week. What I said on the front end of the week when I was on the first cut and even Sunday when I was diving in was that I'm not playing the 6K range. And so a lot of the players I picked were really great. I mean, I was on a lot of the guys that were in the top five and top 10. Unfortunately, though, the reason I didn't have a big win is because a lot of my big lineups ended up having Patrick Flavin in, in them. And because th- there was good reason. I mean, you, the, the course comps, he, he, he graded out really well. He's like a Monday qualifier king and, and all that. But the truth is, I wasn't on him on the front end of the week. So I know we do a show. We have a lot of listeners. If you have conviction about a lineup construction that you want to go with and you think it's different or you think it's unique or you just flat out think it's good, don't let us tell you to play like some guy in, in the 6K range that that maybe you hadn't thought of on the front end. Maybe have some lineups with that, but like the lineups that like mean a lot to you, maybe the high value ones, you, feel free to listen to us. But if you have conviction early in the week, don't get group into changing your mind and just kind of being where everybody else is. And that's what I did last week, and it, and it ended up costing me. Yeah, yep. And, you know, that can happen. Golf is, is very, you know, it's – well-rounded just picking the winner alone isn't going to get you there right you got to get six good golfers that's how you win um 
And so that's important to think about too. Your your last guys is is as important as your as your first. So with that being said, Spence, we got the order. But before we horrible that, order. That's a horrible order. I'm <laughs> accustomed to picking first um, over the last week, so it's good. It's time to shake things up. But tell us, Spence, how you doing tonight? I am doing well. Um, you know, it was. I thought last week was a fun tournament, and and I actually have a kind of interesting story that I'll I'll lead in before we go to the draft. So, the hat I have on right now, Las Vegas Raiders. Mm-hmm. I know somebody who is a cheerleader for that Raiders team and Tiger Woods was in town and was, they were putting together a little charity event and this exact hat, like the exact one I have on was supposed to be given the Tiger Woods. He ended up leaving before uh, she ended up giving it to me. So I'm pretty much wearing Tiger Woods's hat right now. So basically the story you're telling is that's a goat hat, right? Whether yes. you're the best golfer of all time or the best golf writer of all time, one of the two has got to get that hat. It's tied in together a little bit there, I guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. it's just an interesting story. It's kind of a small world how all of that played out. And uh, I thought it was a cool story. So we can sort of reformat that story and say that you stole Tiger Woods's hat. I mean, yeah. if it gets us traction for this show. That's a headline. My friend, uh, you have I, I'm to know a, how to clickbait it. That's exactly right. I, I, I'm an attorney. This is what I do. It's it's <laughs> a, a capturing the jury, and uh, yeah, we'll turn that story into something even more special than what it already is. Wonderful. All right. Well, I love audience. You are on top of things already. Putting in nominations, get it going. I love the shooter McGavin call. I think he's a really good course fit for this week. Um, See, so yeah, I'm going to pull the draft board up. Mm-hmm. Got a little bit of new branding for the draft. That's Give right. us your feedback. Let us know what you guys think. Hey, uh, but without further ado, audience, you are officially on the clock. Um, it looks like the picks are already in. Uh, Corey Connors. Oh, yeah. Corey Connors is in. Um, guys, check check what the ownership is looking like on that. Of course, we're going to have Steven's article tomorrow. Steven, thanks for being in the chat as usual as well. Uh, I mean, do you guys have any issue with this? I mean, obviously, the he's probably – I'm guessing he's the most popular guy right now, but – with that said, does that mean it's an avoid for you guys? Spencer, maybe I'll start with you there. I said this on the Better Golf Podcast. He is 22.5% right now. I think he is the epitome of good shock. Mm-hmm. I have absolutely no issues with playing Corey Connors. He's number one in my model in all iterations of how I ran it. Um, sure, there's other guys that you could look into. And I use this exact example also, which I think is just noteworthy to mention again. If you look at some of the sharper offshore books, and you look at Connors specifically against Rory McIlroy in a head-to-head matchup, you will see Connors about plus 115, plus 119. So if you're telling me you can say $1,400 there, and most books, at least of the sharper front, think that those two guys are very close to one another, I think it's a good play. I think he's underpriced like as much as you can say that for a $10,000 golfer, and um, I'm not going to be talking anybody out of using him. Joel, you share the sentiment? I... I going into the week was really high on him. I thought he'd be someone I'd be playing a lot. Um, I'm going to come off of him a little bit at that high of an ownership. Just, you know, at that, it's the common, if, if it was 23% in the low 9K, I'd probably be feel more comfortable eating it. But to be one of the more expensive guys, um, that's not saying he's not going to make my player pool. I will have him, but maybe just a little less exposed. 
Fair enough. Um, th- th- these comments are great, by the way. David with the Spence Woods comment. That kind of rolls <laughs> off the tongue. I, I kind of like that. Lindsay, look, look at this plea for Corey Connors. Like, I love how invested the audience is in some of these picks, right? Like, this is an actual plea. Like, please, we have to start <laughs> our lineup like this. And I think this is kind of implicit props to Ivan for picking, you know, selecting the first pick because it looks like everybody wanted Connors, including our very own Steven uh Spilardi. i mean the, the the connors to start trust me line it's like okay i mean i guess we got to go with connors so uh yeah good job if you're gonna give yourself the number one pick it probably makes sense to take Corey connors first mm-hmm. off the board so uh, i think he's a great course fit here I, yep. I, I think it's a good pick i'm gonna now after i just gave you my whole ownership spiel i'm gonna do uh I'm going to go take a highly owned guy. So I'm not necessarily uh, drinking my own tea, if you will, but um, I'm going to go value it as I normally do. I think it is most important, especially in a week like this, to get your value plays that you like. Um, I think there's a few guys up top that I'll be happy with if I get on my team, but uh, I really want to hone in on the value. So I'm, I'm dipping down into the 7K range, and I'm going to go for a guy who's just been really hot, uh, who's been playing really well over the last month or two, and that's Sepp Straka at 7,600. Um, you know, Sepp Straka is, I'm looking right now, about 15% owned, which is pretty high for him, um, and especially at this price. So similar sentiment to Connors, but, you know, 15% either way is still a lot less than the 22. So I can sum like that a little bit more. Uh, but I just love his form. I mean, in the last five tournaments for Straka, he won at the Honda. He missed the cut the Arn Palmer, ninth, 30th, and 3rd. So He's really playing well. He's coming into form here. And this is a tournament where, compared to those other results I just read you, it's a weaker field. So he should be able to, um, I think, have a better chance of rising to the top. I am, like, highly disappointed. I I literally can't believe you took Straka. On my life, Straka was going to be my first pick. In in (laughs) fact, in the first cut, one and done, where I'm, like, trailing pretty pretty heavily, uh, pretty much everybody in that, Straka's my one and done in that. Because I'm just trying to like do something a little different, and this field uh, is is a little watered down once you get past the first few guys. Uh, Straka's win equity is, is should be considered as good as almost anybody in this tournament. The way he's been flashing and actually winning this year, I, I literally I can't believe you took Sepp Straka. Like, <laughs> holy cow! I don't even know what to do because I, I got to say, a lot of my builds are probably going to start with Corey Connors and Sepp Straka. I mean, I I, I truly those are two of the guys I, I absolutely like the best so i'm gonna have to do something sort of very different that i did not want to do and i'm stalling because i don't know who i'm gonna pick here i'll tell you what i'm gonna go with a guy that i'm not super excited about in terms of having him as my first pick but he's probably a guy i was going to put on my team anyway um he's a guy i play quite a bit i think he's a very good course fit here uh, he's likely to find the fairway uh, in a pretty big way. Greens and regulation, he's great. The proximities that we're, we're probably focused on, and Spencer, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but 175 to 200, 200 plus, that's certainly, I think, where you're going to see a lot, you know, from a relativity standpoint, you're going to see a lot more shots from, from those distances versus your regular uh, PGA event. He ranks sixth in my model. Um, it's going to be, and by the way, he's, he's pretty bad with the putter and he's pretty bad around the green and sand saves really bad. So that's something to consider because there's a lot of bunkers here, but it's Matthew Naismith at 7,600. I'm going to start low, just like Joel. Now, see, I know Matthew Naismith is your boy, right? I think mm-hmm. you have, 
you've been all over him for the last few tournaments. Um, I would agree with you. I, I think I like him for more this week than, than normal. I think this is a good you know fit for how he plays. I think you can neutralize some of his uh, putting struggles on this course. Uh, and in the weaker field, I think he does rise above some of the uh, other lower tier players. So I do want to point out before Spencer um, does his back-to-back picks. So David is in the chat and he, he did indicate, and we'll have to just flush this out. We know how the weather can change. So this is something that we'll really be focused on on Wednesday as opposed to today on Tuesday. But David, our kind of our new staff guy on the golf team, he is saying it looks like there's an edge Thursday p.m. Friday a.m. So let's just flush that out. I've seen some things I didn't necessarily see as much of an edge but then again i haven't really looked in a little bit so um david might kind of get in the chat on that but even if he does it let's 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 focus on that on wednesday night in particular because that might be thing have you guys seen anything like that so far the only counter argument i would make from that is this is a very fast surface i could see it getting dried out as the day goes on to neutralize any of the weather that might come into play with it but uh, as far as the weather front goes, uh, I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. And he he just, let me just go ahead and read this. Um, he says, Friday p.m. forecast for some substantial rain and higher winds. Thursday weather is consistent all day with a slight drop in wind in the afternoon. And he says, I want nothing to do with three and a half inch juicy rough in the rain. Interesting point. So again, that's something we'll flush out as the, as the week goes before Thursday. But uh, certainly some solid perspective there. Yeah. And Stephen, Stephen says, well, I'm going to take all the accurate hitters and they're never going to be in the rough. So therefore, ergo, I don't need to worry about juicy rough. That's funny. Um, All right. So Spencer, you got back to back picks here. So I know what I'm going to do with my first pick. And as I'm making it, I'm going to stall a little bit to try to figure out who my second pick is going to be. And I'm also going to go with a very chalky first selection. But I think a lot of times that this player, his like there's a perception around him that he cannot win. And because there's that perception around him that he cannot win, we see reductions in price tags in all avenues of the market. And I think you could just as easily put this guy in the $10,000 range. To me, you could flip him with Terrell Hatton very easily and you make him 9,900 and that's probably a better price tag. I'm going to take Russell Henley at 9,300. It's one of the ways that I believe that I can build this lineup in a fashion to where I don't like being at the fourth pick. I like the first pick better. I, uh, you know, we'll we'll figure this out as we go along with it being in a different slot. I've kind of become accustomed being in the other range with it there, but I, I just think he's a very solid fit that I can kind of build all the way through with him, and he's probably one of the safer players with a real upside to him at the price tag. And then the second golfer I will take. <laughs> I probably don't need to take him this early and I'm already moving myself down into this volatile zone before I really need to. And this has been a guy that has burned me on this show before. It's been a guy that I've mentioned oh, countless times. Can I guess? Yeah. Oh, well, it's not Jason day, but it's uh it's Webb Simpson, right? Well, that's a good guess too. It's not Webb, but uh, it's in the $7,000 range, the upper $7,000 range. If you want to take another guess at it. He's burned you a bunch of times. So Jason I'm... Day never burns me. That's just like that's just fun <laughs> to watch. And if he doesn't do well, we're on to the next week. Um, well, I, I do have a guess. And I, I honestly like I don't think I'm like tarnishing the field by mentioning this guy. I, I know he's burned Isaiah, one of our writers, a lot. Is it Kevin Streelman? No. Uh Nick does like him though. It's interesting you point him out. Joel, do you have a guess before I mention it? 
Uh, to I, <sighs> he's healthy. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go for Brian Harmon. That's a, that's a good guess too. But I, uh, it is going to be Doug Gim. Oh, okay. Seventy-eight hundred. Like this might be getting too volatile, but when we think of courses, this is like the prototypical course I would expect him to find success. Putting doesn't matter here as much. Find me guys that are going to be accurate, guys that are good with the, their irons. He fits all of those things in a nutshell of what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. uh, he's 13th in my model in total driving plus 150 plus proximity. And I continue to believe that this just leaves me in a spot where I, I can steadily make this build and keep it as open as I can at this point, rather than going either really far down or really you know high up to where I kind of trap myself a little bit. I think it's this feels like a good time for Gim. And, and what I like about looking at the metrics that that I think we're all kind of focused on is there's nothing where he's like, you know, top five necessarily. Spencer, maybe in your model he is, but he's so good at every he's not great at anything, but he's so good at everything. So you, you have like a really good balance where he's in, generally speaking, the top 30, the top 40 and, and almost everything that I looked at. And I think that sort of consistency is probably going to pay off for him this week. And you're right, the long iron play, it you know, it measures out you know pretty well as well. So I, I think that's a great pick. Yeah, I like it for all those reasons. I don't know if anybody noticed. I typed in Webb Simpson for a second. I have a sickness. Even when I don't pick him, that's just the first name I want to put in there. That's hilarious. Um, by the way, we're getting a lot of sticks, shout outs from David. And I do want to point out, I'm not going to be on the show on Tuesday. Of course, Spencer and Joel will be here. Uh, I'll be out of town, but I think we're hoping that Sticks is going to join us. He joined us before and like absolutely knocked it out of the park. So hopefully he's going to be, um, it looks like he's probably going to be on the show next week, of course, with Spencer and with Joel. So obviously stay tuned for that. All right, it's my pick. I, I think I knew, I'm not going to stall on this one. I, I really, I'm already kind of like thrown for a loop here. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't love this play, but I very much like it. This is a sticker shot guy where you see his price and you're like, ooh, I don't know that I want to pay for that. But I do like the ball striking. He's going to grade out really well. And actually, for a guy who's typically criticized for the putter, the putter has picked up a little bit as of late. It's still a bad putter. But again, two things. One, it's been improving. And two, this is a place where you might be able to get away with a bad putter here and there. So um, he doesn't rank out as well as I want him to, but I'm going to take him anyway. It's Keegan Bradley. Give me Keegan. He's 9,600. Again, a little bit of sticker shock, but I think he's pretty reliable. I like the shape his game is in, and uh, I think he's a solid – I think he's a solid make the cut with top 10 upside play, which I know I'm looking for more for 9,600, but do I think he's going to win? Probably not, but I think the way I construct my lineup, I can, I can take the winner here too. That's the, uh, that's the epitome of team no putt at a course where you can get away with that. So he's like mm -hmm. the poster child for that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. Uh, Joel, it's on you, my friend. All right. So I'm sneaking, I'm looking ahead at, at who I'm going to take. Uh, so now I'm trying to be strategic. Uh, I want to make sure I get my value plays in and I'm going to go with the guy who we've seen some up and downs. He's very young on tour, but. Uh, I think this is going to be a really good course for him, and we certainly know he has the upside to get you a top five based on how he's been playing this year. At this price, I think he's still underpriced, and I'm going to go with Cameron Young. Um, I think his, you know, he's one of the best drivers on tour. I think it's going to be a big advantage for him here. 
Uh, and then getting him in this 8K range, I think they could have easily priced him in the upper 8K range, and uh, I don't think anyone would have batted an eye. So I think there's definitely value on this number as well. Yeah, I, I kind of wish they would have priced him in the upper 8K range just to get rid of some of the ownership. But I, it's a good number at $8,000. He's definitely under, like of the $8,000 golfers, I guess he's probably the most underpriced of the group, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I use Patrick Reed as an example, but there's several guys in the 8K range, especially the low 8K range, and maybe the high 7K range that you could literally sw- swap with Patrick Reed and it would it would be like, and Cameron Young's one of those guys. I don't think he should be, what's Patrick Reed, like 9,000, something ridiculous? He's, uh, yeah, 9,000 exactly. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's certainly guys in that Cameron Young range that you could just re- replace Reed with. So yeah, he's he's certainly undervalued and I'm assuming the ownership percentage reflects that at the moment. I, I'm assuming he's in the 16, 17% range, ballparking it. 16.1%, fourth right. highest owned player on the board right now. Right. There's some volatility there, but again, volatility isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think the approach game for him has been a little shaky, but again, you're right, Joel, off the tee. First of all, we thought we thought he didn't have the game. I, th- I think it was at the RBC, and he just like smoked everybody. So I, 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 here's the thing about Cameron Young. Some of these young guys, we don't know what their game is yet. We know what the metrics tell us, but it's such a short sample size that Cameron Young is the type of guy that we could be talking about like a year from now, like, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but we could be talking about him in the context of like a Victor Hovland, for example. Yeah, it's possible. Oh, it's on. Is it on me? Oh, no, it's on the audience. Oh, it's on the audience. audience. You are up. Um, It looks like your first pick is already in. I mean, there's that's right. Three Joel Domins right in a row. I know you guys. I know I'm drafting so well. You want to stick with the Joel theme. I totally get that. But that's not how this works. Mm -hmm. You got to get the best golfers. But. Uh, it's, a, it's a good pick. Well, Domin, first guy off the board. Now you need a second. Uh, so continue bringing me, bringing in the nominations. I, I like the Domin pick just to throw it out there. I don't know what his upside actually is, but I don't know that it necessarily matters either at 7,600. Um, we, they, we have the, we have the second nomination in, um, David leading the charge and everybody else agreeing. Uh, I'll just go ahead and read this. David says, Russell Knox, bread and butter is iron play and driving accuracy. Played excellent at TPC Sawgrass, and we all know what weather was like there in his tee time suits, according to the um, the, the stack that he likes. And we got Charlie in here, uh, Steven in here, Ivan. They all like Knox. So uh, Edward as well. Uh, big Knox fans. What do you guys think of Knox? I, I think uh, I, I'm sort of I'm not super excited, but I'm not like I'm not going to play him either. I'm curious, Joel. Let me start with you. How you feel about Russell Knox this week? I feel about Russell Knox kind of how I feel always. I think there's a part of me that originally kind of thinks he's a good value almost every week, and then almost every week I kind of at the end of the week get to like he just doesn't have the upside to be worth playing, and and that's probably where I stand with him now. I think a lot of the metrics are going to look good for him. He just doesn't get you a lot of top fifteens and tens, which is what you kind of need. Um, so I think he's safe. I think as a cash play, I would I would play him. I think for tournaments, I'd probably shy away. I'll say I'll say this, Spencer, before you go, because I didn't I didn't even realize this. Um <laughs> I should have realized this, but I but I was kind of focused on a on a different thing, not necessarily my model rankings. Full disclosure, the way I do my model is a little bit different. Like I I sort of overweight a few things that I, I I think are really important, which by the very nature of that, I'm underweighting a lot of other things. Uh so with all of that said. 
last 50 rounds, Russell Knox is actually number one in my model, which probably means I do my model wrong, but I'm just kind of pointing that out. But the, the metrics that I sort of, quote, overemphasized, clearly uh, knocks, knocked those out of the park, including, let's see, approach, he's top 10. The proximities that we're con concerned with, he's in, inside the top 15. Again, this is last 50 rounds. GIRs gained, number one. Fairways gained, number six. Uh, the, the only thing that holds him back typically is sometimes the around the green game, particularly out of the sand and uh, his putter. So, yeah, I'm going to go on a hunch here. Mm -hmm. And my guess is that putting is not heavily weighted in your model. <laughs> putting is uh, so just to like peek behind the curtain here. It's not weighted at all. Okay. Again, <laughs> and, 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 and that is a little unusual, but, but for me, again, my, my focus is to overemphasize a few metrics, uh, especially when I think, that guys like Kyle Stanley can have success here because I've seen that, then in this case, I'm just taking out the putter. I don't necessarily advise that for people who are actually building models, but that's what I decided to do uh, this week. But yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it's I'm looking at it because I want to see it, um, but it literally says 0% next to it. <laughs> like this number doesn't take into account. I mean, it takes into account putting, but it doesn't take into account only putting like, so it's strokes gain total on fast and firm greens. He's obviously a really good ball striker. So that's going to help out a little bit, but he's 50th overall. So if we compare that to the putter, he's 133rd. See, I kind of ran through all these numbers. So I don't want to go through them again, but second in my two-year model in GIR percentage, fourth in ball striking, eighth in proximity, 150 yards and over. I just know that this game with Russell Knox never quite ends the way that you hope it does. And mm -hmm. I think he is extremely volatile. Like even for like a cash game lineup, like he misses so many cuts where you wouldn't expect him to. He's a model darling. And then all of a sudden you don't get it. This is probably an ideal course fit for him. If he is going to find success because of what, you know, the putter doesn't matter as much, but it's always a dangerous game to play it. I'm not saying that you shouldn't play it, but uh, it's there's going to be red flags in the area of using him. So real quick, we got a question from David um, Knox top 40, and I'm looking for the number right now. I want to ask you, Spencer, since you do the better golf pod where you, you include a lot of your, all the top 40 bets that you like, I believe. Um, how do you feel about Knox top 40? Uh, I'd have to hear the price on it. I don't know exactly what it is off the top of it's my head. It's plus 160. Sorry, it's plus 160. I I, I do think that's a relatively good number. Me all too. Considered. Like, mm -hmm. I, I have a more in the plus 130 range. So there is 30 points of value. And I know Nick and I always talk about needing 30 points of value to put a wager in. It's just one of those situations with Knox where I seem to sit on the sidelines and let him beat me in these situations because my model does always like him. But... Yeah, like on the surface, plus 160 is a very good price if you can ignore the volatility a little bit, which maybe you should because of the putting. Fair and enough. you said it's plus 160 for him to get top 40? Yeah. I think, too, that's the number. Like for him, that I like because yeah. I think he can get 35th, right? And I think that's a good place. That's where he usually ends up getting 30th. I'm getting plus odds on it. Um, but I think the, to me, like for the purpose of what we're doing, that 35th in a big tournament won't get you there, but I'll take a plus 160 bet on that for sure. It's yeah. weird to see guys like Fratelli, Lucas Glover at plus 130, Francesco Molinari at plus 140. And I know Molinari had success here like when he was good a long time ago, but to see Russell Knox at plus 160, it's it's very strange. I feel like it's almost like I look at that like almost like it's trappish, but I think I'm going to go ahead and take that. I just I just see too much value there. 
it's baking in some of the volatility, I think. And mm. I mean, like if we look at his recent form, it's not good. Like we can say that this is a perfect course fit for him, but miscut, miscut 61st, 57th, 6th, 55th, 33rd. So a lot of bad results in there. Yeah. All I heard was 33rd. I don't know. I, I didn't hear anything else, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which isn't even that good, but anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'm going to stick to my theme in this drift. I'm going to stick with value. Um, there's still a handful of guys up top that I'd be happy with. So I want to round out this kind of middle range that I'm targeting. Uh, my biggest concern with this pick is I'm still being pretty popular considering, but I'm going to go with Keith Mitchell. Uh, Keith mm-hmm. Mitchell grades out really well in some of the, Long irons, longer hole stats that we're looking at. His recent form has been five made cuts in a row, 12th, 10th, 9th, 61st, and 13th. Those are some really um, some really good finishes. So at 7,800, I think I'm getting a really nice balance squad here. I like the pick. He was going to be at my, on my team at some point. I don't know exactly where I planned on picking him, but um, there's going to be volatility. That's the only downside to this. He's going to be popular, and he always is more volatile than you think he is. But he has win equity, and that's what you're looking for at the price tag. He's definitely mispriced, and uh, it's another conversation that Nick and I talked about. If you look at his matchups, he's against players that are in the $9,000 range at a lot of these books. So clearly, mm-hmm. these offshore books seem to believe that he is a golfer that's in the wrong zone. Now, do I get any bonus points for matching up? I think they were college roommates on the same team. As the, do I get like a chemistry boost, or does that Ooh, not <laughs> That is fun. You know I'm all about team narrative. So, uh, yes, you do get bonus points. I, I I don't know how we're going to apply them, but you absolutely get bonus points. Thank so you. I appreciate congratulations. That. That's <laughs> um, that is the ultimate GPP start to a lineup. By the way, I mean you, Straka Young and Keith Mitchell. In my opinion, yeah. they all have win equity. Uh, I would they agree certainly, with that. And they certainly have like top ten equity. And and like these are guys that can like maybe potentially go off the rails. I could see a situation with Keith, Keith Mitchell goes off the rails a little bit. The approach game you know, might just fall apart or something, but like, these are guys that can go at like they, they, they're pin hunting, you name it. Like these guys can absolutely win a tournament. So I just, from a construction standpoint, I just love how Joel has started his lineup. Meanwhile, I'm in, in, and I'm leading into my next pick. I have like the team boring lineup. The one thing I will say about the team boring lineup, this might be the tournament to actually have that. So I suspect that nobody is going to like my lineup after it's done. And I don't know how I'm going to play it out, but I do know that my next guy is also going to be relatively boring behind Matthew Naismith and Keegan Bradley. It's a guy who rates out really well in my model. He's short off the tee, but he's always in the fairway. He rates out pretty much great everywhere other than around the green. Um, Approach game is solid. Off the tee game is curiously solid uh, because he does find the fairways, but he's super short. Of course, it's Ryan Armour, who's only 6,800. So he's probably a guy that's going to be pretty popular in that 6K range. I'm pretty much okay with it. I'll probably get different elsewhere. And honestly, I don't think he's going to be so popular that it's going to um, hurt me in any appreciable way. So uh, freeze up some money for me. I think Ryan Armour should probably be like 7,400. He's coming off a miscut, but this is a much better course fit for him this week than it was last week. So uh, I'm all about it. I'm a fan of his, so I like the pick. Nice. When I ran my model for upside, um, he was inside the top 20. And I I think that probably makes sense why he came second at this course in 2018. Absolutely. All right, guys, I will move us along here. And I just want to point it out. I I think everybody's making really good picks right now. I I feel like I'm in more of a bind 
than I typically find myself in, which I guess is a credit for all the selections that have been made. Um, I don't really know what I want to do here because this is like Joel C and I were talking before the show where when you do a contest like this and you, you know, you have to wait for your picks and players get taken off your board. You run yourself into a situation where if you put yourself into a dead zone, you kind of run into some problems there. And I'm trying to avoid doing that right now, but it's tough. I I guess I'm going to go with the volatile route again, which Doug Gim and this guy might be asking for a little bit too much. And uh, I forget which one of you said it, but one of you got it correct when we were, I think it was you, Joel. Uh, Brian Harmon, 7,700. Another guy that's going to have volatility to him. He's 34 spots better in my weighted T to green with how I ran it. He's inside the top 12 in my model for upside. That's kind of what I'm looking for here. 13% a little bit more than I would care. And there is a player up in this range that we can talk about at the end of the show that if you are trying to pivot away from ownership, I do think there's a really good option uh, a little bit above him, but that will be my first choice. Let me see how much money I have after that. Um, So I have 8,400 for three spots. Let me dip down to the bottom. It's going to be another guy with ownership. I guess I'm not doing a very good job right now of diversifying my lineup with ownership, but uh, I can figure out a way to do it at some point. But uh, I will take Martin Laird at Mm -hmm. 7,100. Like this is another guy. Like C has brought up a couple of them. Here's a, a... you know, the handful of players that cannot putt, but are going to check every single box you can find from a ball striking perspective. So Laird is 129th in my two-year model in putting. But then when we look at his specifics for accuracy, he is eighth, he is 12th in GIR percentage, fifth in ball striking, and he is fourth overall when looking at total driving plus proximity from 150 plus yards. Um, you know, he's sixth in my model for upside. So I'm going to keep taking some upside chances on these guys now that I'm stuck in this range. And it's going to leave me a lot of money to round up my build at the top here. Yeah, I think Laird is going to be a pretty popular play. He's certainly a guy that models just love. And and he, he can burn you. But again, he usually burns you because of the putter. And if you believe in, Spencer, I think this is what you were spelling out. If you believe that the putter can be sort of, or a bad putter can sort of be neutralized on, on, on this particular course, then you know, you're probably in pretty good shape with the guy who rates out that well. Yeah. Like, like I'm not a person that puts a lot of putting into my model to begin with, but it's also zero for me. So all these guys that are good ball strikers are going to be the ones that keep checking the boxes mm-hmm. for me when I you know do my roster con- and construction things. Russell Knox and Martin Laird absolutely come from the same family, right? They are like very similar type guys. I have the same kind of thought process behind. Um, so yeah, I think it, I have the same thought there. You know, I think uh, he certainly can get there this week. Um, I think you're right. I, I agree with C's take on that for sure. If you're kind of going off, this is going to be an event where putting is neutralized. And I think he certainly does have uh, a lot of upside. There's a third guy that I keep comparing Laird to over and over again, and he hasn't been selected yet. If he goes off the board, I will throw him out there. Uh, I will try to remember it at the end of the show, but uh, remind me if I I don't mention the player. Okay. All right. See ya. You're on the clock. I'm I'm trying to stall here because I want to – there's a couple guys that I really like, but their accuracy issues are giving me some hesitation in terms of off the tee in particular. And so I'm trying to check if I can see 
what this guy looks like on shorter courses, and it doesn't look much better. This is very interesting. I really, really want to play this guy. I might save him for later and go with somebody else I like here. No, I'm just going to go ahead and take him, actually. Man, uh, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Jonathan Vegas. Um, you know, again, a classic ball striker. He really does everything well, if, if we're being honest. Uh, he uh, withdrew, I think, recently, which is why if you looked at him on DraftKings, it actually he actually read as out earlier in the week if you looked at on like Monday, for example. But he's fully in this tournament. Uh, it rates out pretty well for me. I, I do worry about his ability to find the fairway. But then again, I'm assuming like a lot of other guys, and I got to go back and check this, but that he's going to be clubbing down and, and hopefully kind of focus more, more narrowly focused on the accuracy off the tee. Uh, the long irons should be fine for him. So Vegas is my guy at 7,800. I think there's value there. So when we were talking about that, you know, middle to upper $7,000 range, and I think I alluded to there being somebody in that range that makes a ton of sense. So let's talk about Jonathan Vegas's accuracy for a second, because mm -hmm. this is the stat that sold me. And I do think he's probably mostly when we're looking at five, six, seven percent ownership, we might look back on this on Sunday night and say, Jonathan Vegas was the pick of the tournament, whether he wins it or comes top 10 in it. He is 95th in driving accuracy. That is the negative. When we look at off the tee at short courses with hard to hit fairways plus rough. So that's going to be like if you're if you miss the fairway, you're dead at those contests. He is mm -hmm. sixth overall. That wow. is such a big improvement number. And I think that when we talk about ball striking, this is exactly the type of course you would like Jonathan Vegas at. Uh, this is probably my favorite pick that has been made so far. And there's been a lot of good ones. So Spencer, let me, let me, let's break this down a little bit for, for myself and the people that are listening. So in your model, what, what you're saying, well, not necessarily in your, in your global model, but when you were looking at Vegas, you looked at courses under 7,200 yards and you looked for courses that had penal rough essentially. I looked at courses. Uh, yes, exactly. That's exactly what I looked at there. And so it was the three things. It was courses under 7,200 yards. It was courses that had difficult hit fairways. And it was courses that had penal rough. When I threw those three things together, Vegas graded sixth. And uh, do you happen to, are you looking at the list? I'm just curious who ranked in the top five. If you're not, or if that takes a few minutes, then don't worry about it. Yeah, let me let me sort it by that column here. Uh, give me one second. It usually takes a second to load on here. So, uh, number one, Corey Connors. <laughs> number two, Tony Finau. This might be my special little magic that I work here. Jason Day, number three. Okay. Okay, <laughs> Jason Day. <laughs> Rory McIlroy, number four. Keith Mitchell, number five. Jonathan Vegas, number six. And then just to read off a couple more, Scott Piercy, seven, Matt Kuchar, eight, Ches Revy, nine, uh, Keegan Bradley, 10. All right. Now, I want to just add one thing. Starting the week, I was very high on Vegas. He was one of the guys I was putting in. And then I read, I saw the note that he's coming off surgery. Uh, so that mm. scared me a little bit. Um, you know, will he be 100%? He, he did. This is his first time back from having an arm surgery. I don't think it was a major surgery. I don't think he's majorly injured. But... Um, I just, you know, maybe he's a little off and that did scare me off of him just a tee bit, that, not knowing that he's going to be hundred percent going into the tournament. That fair would enough. explain the ownership percentage being what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Where are we at? All right. Oh, so George. I'm up. I am going to go with, um, 
I so I actually know who I want my next three players to be. Now I'm just thinking through strategically who do I take first, uh, and I'm looking at all of our price tags to see who people will be targeting. And I'm going to go with my boy. I'm going to go with Tony Finau. Um, you know, there is – I like Rory here too. That price tag on Rory for this tournament is really, really high. And that is a big difference to this field. He's saving almost $1,000 to get down to Finau, who's coming off a tie for second, whose ball striking was just astronomical last week. Um, I think he can find some of that, carry some of that over to this week into a still relatively weak tournament. Um, I am paying up for him a bit here, but I certainly think there is top five upside with Tony Fidel. Yeah. I, I think you kind of see this situation a lot where Rory is so above everybody else in price tag that it does shift ownership beneath him in a lot of spots. And Finau's not the one getting it. We It just so happens to be Connors and a couple of the guys beneath him. But uh, it, it has created an interesting trajectory in these models when looking at ownership for sure mm -hmm. yeah so audience is already nominating and it looks like we got a couple for okay we got a couple we're waiting for more we got cam davis is one sergio garcia there might have been previous nominations but if you did then go ahead and put it in there again ivan need to hear from you Lindsay really wants Cameron Davis. Uh, okay, Charlie, Cameron Davis. So Davis is one of the two picks for the audience. We need we need uh, one more pick from them. Where, where are you guys at on Cameron Davis? I like Cameron Davis. So uh, I have a head-to-head -head bet with him over Dylan Fratelli. He was one of the last names I removed from my outright card this weekend at 5% ownership. There is upside to be found on this play. Yeah, Joel. Yeah, I, I agree. That's right. I'm kind of similar with Spencer. And my thought with Davis is is very volatile. I think you are opening yourself up to a very you know a miscut potential there. But but he also is going in this range, playing in GPPs. He's the type of guy that can get you that top 10, has the upside to help you win a tournament. So the way I would play Davis if I'm playing a lot of lineups is I would have him. just wouldn't overexpose myself because if you do hit him on a bad week where he misses the cut, it could ruin all your lineups. So I'll be playing him, just making sure I have the right amount of him. That makes sense. All right. So we've got – do we have a second on – no. Um, we have a lot of nominations here, but we don't have a second nomination. Oh, jeez. Um, somebody, somebody help Lindsay out. Uh, it looks like we have a second one for Matt Fitzpatrick. I like the Fitzpatrick play. I think, um, I think he's a guy that gets underrated, undervalued more often than not. I think he's a guy that, you know, he is 10 K. Um, but I put him up there with everyone in the tournament. I mean, He's every bit as good. I think he has every much the winning up equity. You're getting some ownership uh, advantages by playing him. So I, I like to pick a lot. He's someone that I will be targeting this week as well. I guess it doesn't matter at this point because I can't go this route to begin with. But my final two plays were going to be Matthew Fitzpatrick. And I was going to round it off with Webb Simpson. And that's not going to be happening now. <laughs> I feel right. like Webb Simpson is is now been, has become, sadly, the talk of of 
people are like laughing at him now. He's kind of like, you know, because of his injury, he, he's not taken as seriously as he was a year a year ago. I don't know why that happened. And maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm out of nowhere, but I'm feeling the feeling a lot of people are kind of like, there's a reaction now when, when Webb Simpson comes up. Mm-hmm. The way I view the situation is if you're going to keep giving me Webb Simpson in the low $8,000 range and sub 10% marks, yeah, I'm going to keep betting him and keep taking him in these spots until something changes. He's yeah. a better golfer than to be in that range. That's the thing. It's the va- I think this week it's the value, and he might be trending upward. I mean, the, obviously the putter has been really bad, but we know Webb Simpson can be a good putter, and the ball striking wasn't really bad the last time out. It's, it looks like it's improving, so you might be getting him early at 8,100 instead of, quote, early in two weeks or something when he's like all of a sudden 8,900 or 9,100. And when you put them on these courses, and this is one of those courses where accuracy matters, this is a Webb Simpson course, and there's going to be more courses. When he gets to the Wyndham, that's a massive Webb Simpson course. But mm-hmm. like those are where he becomes $10,000 golfers, and we're going to get there again. It's just been a slow like maturation process to get to that point. Right. Yeah. yeah I'm right. With you. I agree. It's a matter of time, and, and you want to be there first because – if he comes out of this week with the top five, next week he's going to be in the nine case. And yep. you don't get that value anymore. So it's about getting it at the right time. So, um, you know, I'm, it made me want to consider taking him here. I'm not going to, but it did make me got to boost my head. Maybe I should be considering him sin. But I had my plan made out. I am a glutton for punishment. Um yeah, I'm a glutton for punishment. I can't believe I'm doing this. I, I you know, oh, I know where you're going. I think three weeks, a couple weeks ago, yeah. I banned him from my player pool, and somehow I'm back again, going again after him. It's Paul Casey uh, at 8,800. Yep. Uh, I know it's crazy. He's been pulling out of tournaments left and right, which is like the most sickening thing because it completely kills you when he pulls out. You get zero points. At least miss the cut. Give me two days. Give me something to compete with. Um. I don't know why I believe I last time I read he was healthy withdrew. I believe he, he feels better. At the end of the day, Paul Casey, if I could confirm on hundred percent that he was healthy and playing, he's way underpriced for this field. Yes. He's a great value. Um, but it, it's a risk that, you know, he, he's been doing this for over a month, these back spasms, and you just don't know what you're going to get. from him. Well, Joel, you can't cons- uh, continue the trend of players missing the cup for you or sorry, pulling out of the tournament for you. I have never, like, what are we on at this point? Five straight tournaments where it's happened. And yeah. it's cost you so much too. Cause your life has been like good premium other than a, a, a Casey withdrawal. It's crazy. I know. Ron wins the tournament last week. Von Taylor pulls out of the tournament. The masters lineup. I, I forget who pulled out of that one. The match play Paul Casey pulls out of that one. It's just been like over and over again. It was Paul Casey. Oh yeah, that's yeah. He yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it was. <laughs> so, back to that. Yeah. Here we go again. But you know what? Hopefully, right? Of all the punishment I've endured, hopefully he makes it up for me. Right? Get up out there, give me a win, and we're back. Tons of upside. Uh, it's hard to argue against that. He's better than an eighty-eight hundred dollar golfer in this field if we knew he was healthy, which unfortunately we don't, and that's part of the problem right now. Yeah. So I want to make sure I don't make a mistake here. Um, Yeah, this guy has not been drafted. So I'm going to go with a guy that's been kind of underwhelming, particularly last week, other than his Sunday performance. He's a guy I've been on for a while. And honestly, I'm not typically super excited about him, but I am excited about his ball striking. Um, 
It's been so good lately off the tee. I do think this is a course where he'll end up clubbing down a bit, which I think is actually going to be perfect for him because he does tend to spray it. The approach game has been awesome. Putter last two times out hasn't been good, but generally speaking, he can spike with the putter. Not a problem there around the green game, pretty much neutral. It's Gary Woodland at 9,100. I just think... In this tournament with this field, there's actually a lot of value on Gary Woodland. And I like the fact, and you guys please tell me what the ownership percentage is, because again, I'm not looking at it right now. But I like the fact that he was pretty underwhelming and a lot of people were on him last week, because I think sort of the shine is a little bit off of Gary Woodland and people are, are kind of looking elsewhere. So um, somebody somebody correct me if I'm wrong there. Let, let me guess, because I haven't looked at any ownership yet. I just wait for Steven's article and I go from there and I make my assumptions before that. Again, Stephen's article comes out tomorrow night around 5.30, 6 o'clock, Um, I'm guessing I'm guessing he's in the in the 12. I'll go like 12.6%. Is it higher? A little bit. I, okay. At least that's where I have him. I have him at 14.2%. Okay. Darn. It's a little higher than I wanted it to be. But still, I like I liked the pick. And, and you know, I, I was thinking about going like super high with Rory there. But Woodland, I, I don't think is too far afield from Rory out here. And, and it saves me a bunch of money. Let's me do whatever I want with my next pick basically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like the pick. I think he's a, he's a good value guy. I think at 9,100, there's a lot of upside there. He's been playing really well. His form is, is really coming around. So I think these are the types of tournaments where he sends the shine to where, you know, even you look at the top, you think it's a full fill, but it's really not. I mean, there's five guys that are really strong. And then it weakens. I think these are where he really shows up. <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, so this is funny in the chat, Charlie. I, I did see somebody like pleading. It was probably Lindsay. P- Lindsay is like, please on everything. Um, Somebody was pleading for for Woodland. So I was I was going to take him anyway for whatever it's worth. But I do also like stealing your pick. So uh, either way, either way you slice it. OK, so Spencer, we're on you for your last two picks. I do not like the spot that I'm in right now. I'll preface it with that. So one of the options, which I cannot go this route because I don't have a player I want would be to continue the Webb Simpson route, which would leave me with $10,000. And I'm just going to throw out some names here. Like some I can get to some. I can't Fitzpatrick was the way I want to tend it. I don't want Terrell Hatton. I don't want Mark Leishman. Uh, I don't want Patrick Reed. Like, like all of a sudden, like it's probably Siwoo Kim. That's the first name that I want. I don't really want to leave $1,600 on the table there. Cause I don't love this lineup the way that it's built right now. Um, all right. I guess let's do this. So here's a player that didn't necessarily look great last week, but my model loves him from an upside perspective and it's going to be the easiest way for me to build out this roster. And I, I think he is one of the best sub 10% players on the board because of the upside that my model believes he has. But I'm going to take Abraham answer at 10,400. He has a 41 spot improvement in my model in weighted T to green. The around the green game is obviously going to be troublesome for him, but he hits so many G or greens in regulation that that's a positive. He's been good on firm and fast greens. He's been good at TPC courses. He's good at par four. It's kind of just across the board. And uh, other than Corey Connors, who rated as the highest upside player for me, answer was second. You know, he's the one guy at 10,000 or above where, like, if we're looking at just the percentages, Rory's at about 14, Finau's at about 12 or 13, Connors and Fitzpatrick are between that 16 to 22% range, 9% Abraham answer. I'll take a gamble there. And then for the last pick, oh, this is, this is difficult also. Um, 
So it's one of two players for me. And I guess I will go and I will name the player that is the third one that reminds me of that Knox and Laird little bit of a build. And that would be Lucas Glover. Mm. Everything that Laird does is exactly what Glover seems to do. Mm. Now, Glover is not quite as good in some of the areas. But when we look specifically at the total driving plus 150 plus proximity numbers, he is third in my model. Laird is fourth there. So, you know, it's a spot where I'm leaving a little bit more money on the table. I think this would be a nice position where I could have put Joel Dahman into this lineup in a different situation. There's other ways I could have built it. Maybe Sepp Straka. Uh, I think I could have afforded him. But with those guys being gone, I, I think the answer route with Glover is probably my best bet at this point. Solid. Uh, I think that's... Uh... That's looking like a pretty solid lineup, to be honest with you. I think that I think this this is going to be one to monitor for sure. Um, all right, so it's on me, and I have ninety one hundred left. I'll make it pretty easy. Uh, again, you're not going to. Here's the thing: you shouldn't. If you're like super in love with your lineup, like maybe that's a bad thing because maybe you just like fell into like the group think and 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 whatever. So I have a lot of players that I'm uncomfortable with this week it's almost like by the way so back to the lawyer thing I, I don't do the lawyer call out a lot so it's not like i'm like you know hey i'm a lawyer but like there were people after the bar exam i took the virginia and florida bar exam passed both don't worry about it um there were people off the bar exam that were like and and sometimes in law school like after like big tests they were like yeah man that was a breeze i was like that was no problem i was so ready like those were always the people that like got either really bad grades or like flat out failed so my point is um be uncomfortable especially in gpps be uncomfortable i'm uncomfortable with this pick but maybe i shouldn't be because this guy's number one off the tee the last 50 rounds greens and regulation he's excellent sand saves if you want to look at that he's excellent bogey avoid he's excellent some of the longer proximities he's shaky in some he's he's really good in others he's 8700 and it's sergio garcia again we're looking at a classic ball striker whether you want to look at his approach you know lately which hasn't been very good or not, we know classically he's a great ball striker. We know he's classically a bad putter, although the putter seems to be coming around a little bit. So he's not like in that sort of like Kyle Stanley mold that that we we think of Sergio Garcia. So I think there's plenty of upside with this pick. I think there's plenty of downside and volatility too, but I don't mind rounding out my lineup with Gary Woodland and Sergio Garcia. So so happy to see how it's actually turned out. Vegas is the pick here that I'm I'm most worried about that I'm fearful I'm, I'm going to regret but and maybe that's because joel put the injury thing in my head i'm not really sure but i do like the lineup all right joel it's on you sorry just just really fast sorry i yeah. i don't mean to uh cut you off there joel no, no. but i just wanted to touch on one topic that you just mentioned sia people play gpp contests way too conservatively mm -hmm. a min cash isn't what you're trying to get in in these types of builds like see your lap maybe the jonathan vegas is too risky but you go Sergio, you go Vegas, you get two top tens out of them. You've already pivoted off of a lot of the ownership. You have leverage built into this build. And I do think you have upside in the lineup. So uh, that's just something for everybody to keep in mind. When you put this together, realize I'm in cash. You're going to get raked away week after week doing mm -hmm. that. Uh, try to go for as much upside as you can in these builds. For sure. Totally. That's yeah. In a GPP, it's all about... It's all about the upside, right? And, and, and the, the only thing you want to do is not overexpose yourself to a lot of volatility, but you want to play a little play volatility because that's how you win. Uh, one thing I will say before I make my quick quick, I, I find it interesting that the strategy, the theme in our drafts has been changing. If you noticed, 
almost all of us in the last two or three rounds are taking top tier guys now. So the value plays, I think everyone's kind of coming around to getting there first and then coming around to the top tier guys later, which is just an interesting thought process. Mm-hmm. I think it makes a lot of sense because, you know, the top tier guys are better golfers. You're going to get a good golfer on your team, regardless which one you get. And the middle tier are the ones that are probably there's a wider range of outcomes, a little bit more volatility, the guys you want to target. With that being said, um, I'm pleased. I am pleased. And I just want to confirm. Let me just look up these rosters and confirm the guy's not taken. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Nate Lashley with my last pick. Nice. Uh, Nate, Nate Lashley's a guy who's been in really good form. I mean, um, tied for 11th or 11th in the Mexico. He missed a cut at the RBC, but 18th, 15th, 27th, 7th. Those are some really good finishes for a 7K golfer. Uh, I'm just going to try and ride some of that momentum here as my last guy to round out the squad. That's an absurd price. He should be 7,700, honestly. I mean, he's been he's been in this field. That's where he should be, in my opinion. It's a great pick. I agree. I think he's a little bit underpriced here, and I think that's where I'm getting some really good value on the pick. Audience, please, let's see your final nominations for the draft. We have a few in. Let's get a couple more so we can finalize. (laughs) Lindsay, man, the urgency. (laughs) All right, so we've got Troy Merritt. We've got Streelman. We've got Lipsky. We've got Adam Long. It's in. Let's just confirm you can afford him. I think you can. Kevin Streelman with the final pick. Uh, great draft. Listen, I think all four of these teams look very competitive in a field that, um, you know, I don't think it's easy to get round out squads. I think we did a really good job all around. Hop in before you do so, smash the like button, give us a follow, let us know what team you like the most. Um, Lindsay, (laughs) it's so great. I can't, so it's just like I'm, I'm like hoping that like Lindsay, uh, is actually like that like frantic about it because that would be a cool thing to picture but i'm assuming they're just doing it for show but i just love the urgency here Lindsay. sorry to interrupt you joel i just think i just laugh when i see that wait well let's just was was he pleading for i oh, know he wanted troy merritt uh Lindsay, i'm yeah. sorry listen Lindsay, come back next week if troy merritt proves yes. to have been the better pick i want you to come on and you know what i think we can even give you some airtime. i want you to come on and actually tell us why you were right and why they should have listened to you so Follow us. Come back next week. We'll, we'll, we'll address the situation then. Appreciate you uh, participating in the draft. Along with the rest of the audience, everyone did a great job. Like I said, smash the like button. Give us a follow. Hop in. Let us know whose team you think is going to win. What, what, um, what, is, yeah, what is this? <laughs> yeah, that's Lindsay, who was just all about the Troy Merritt pick with all those exclamation points. All of a sudden, <laughs> loves the Strelman pick. I believe that's seven or eight exclamation points. So <laughs> I, this is... We talk about volatile golfers. The audience has the volatility of a, uh, I don't know, of a Sergio Garcia, perhaps. That's that's great. All yeah. right. So you like Troy Merritt is catching a lot of steam on the offshore markets. I've seen his price down below sixty to one, and then I saw David mentioned Adam Long. I like Adam Long. I, I think seventy four hundred. Like Joel was talking about it a little bit with Nate Lashley by writing the form. And you could do the same exact thing with Adam Long. 15th at the Mexico Open, 12th at the RBC Heritage, 35th at the Valero, two top 50s in the other three tournaments prior to that. So Long is bringing very good form to the weekend is another guy that I did consider rounding out my build with. I think I, I see. I know you you haven't said this in a while, but something you used to say all the time, and I really think it's the case with Troy Merritt. 
uh it's what was the, the line you see was, was it the, the boring name narrative it's like yes. guys who have that boring name like no one wants to play and mm-hmm. they get loaned where it's like Merritt's the opposite he's got like the sexy name his name's troy Merritt. it's cool it sounds fun mm-hmm. people overall overplay he's not that good why does he always get really high ownership i think it's just because he's like troy Merritt. the name stands out everyone wants to go play him so um i'm gonna sorry Lindsay. i disagree i'm out i'm out for that <laughs> fair enough all right. All right. So I know we're overtime. We're gonna we're not done yet. That's a wrap for the draft. Um, great job. We're gonna before we head out tonight, we are gonna give you the outright tickets and some first round leaders. So let's dive right in. Spence, who are you looking at in the outright market? It's a very bulky card for me with a ton of long shots. I will give a few on this show, and everyone can hear the rest on Better Golf Podcast. But Martin layered 130 to one. Cam Davis, 100 to 1. Lucas Glover, 120 to 1. And Doug Gim, 70 to 1 are a handful of the choices on that card. I love it. I love it. I'm going to go with Arnabon Lahiri at 100 to 1. Hmm. Um, for, for the upside, and I'm surprised that we didn't get this from you, Spence. I like Jason Day at 50 to 1. And my last more realistic side, I'm going to go with my own drafted player, Keith Mitchell at 40 to 1. How about you, Zia? So outrights, uh, I got five for you. I'm going to go Gary Woodland at 35 to one. Sepp Straka at 40 to one. Th- these are the current odds. You probably could have caught better odds on guys like Straka earlier. Uh, Jonathan Vegas, 65 to one. Aaron Rye at 80 to one. And David Lipsky, who's been the subject of the chat, particularly from David, who, by the way, believes Lipsky was the proper sixth man in who got two numbers. So this is a big controversy that we will settle next week. Uh, but Lipsky at 100 to 1. Lipsky's been playing great. So again, if some of the top guys falter, it wouldn't shock me the way he's playing for him to be contending on Sunday afternoon. So Woodland, Straka, Vegas, Aaron Rye, David, Lipsky, Vodka. All I heard from all the names mentioned, Jason Day's winning the tournament. <laughs> That's what I heard. I love it. Now we have Old Faithful, the lock of the week, the first round leader, Spence. Who you got here? Last week, unfortunately, I had to split uh, Molinex with seven other spots there. So it wasn't as big of a hit, but 110 to one. I'm going to try to keep it rolling this week. I have six names. Doug Gim, 75 to one DraftKings. Abraham Answer, 45 to one FanDuel. Brian Harmon, 65 to 1 DraftKings. Martin Laird, 100 to 1 FanDuel. Brendan Steele, 80 to 1 DraftKings. Lucas Glover, 75 to 1 DraftKings. I guess there's actually seven. And if it's not Day, but it's the other guy of mine, Webb Simpson, 65 to 1 on DraftKings. I love it. I love it. I, like I only it. have a few for you. I'm going to go with Tyler Duncan at 130 to 1 on DraftKings. Um, I do. I'm going to go with Nate Lashley, which you're getting at, at 100 to one, also on DraftKings. And then um, I'll, I'm going to go back to my uh, Lahiri play at 80 to one. Um, and then on the more realistic side, the guys are my favorites. My again, a guy I drafted, Seb Straka at 50 to one, and lastly Paul Casey at 45 to one. That might be the spot to play Paul Casey. Use him as a first round mm-hmm. leader if he's healthy. Then you know you were on the right side of it. You can cash some money there. That's true, because if he's in the top 10 after the first day, that number is going to look, you know, to win the tournament's going to be w- way adjusted. Yeah. 
So there's one guy I have that Joel had, but I do want to point out, I, I almost had Abraham Anser and Lucas Glover on that first round leader card that Spencer has. So, I mean, I was really close to sw swapping out Cameron Young. So that's my first guy at 40 to one for Abraham Anser at 40 or 45 to one, depending on where you find it. So I like both of those, but uh, my first round leaders, uh, by the way, props to you, Spencer, for Trey Mullinax. I know both UN sticks are kind of big fans of his and he's super like, I don't care. You're splitting it seven ways. What was he like? 120 to one. Yeah. So, I mean, I know it's a tough split seven. That kind of sucks. But like, if, I mean, if you put anything, you're getting something in return for a guy that's 110 or 120 to one. So um, that was pretty impressive. It's too bad. He didn't get, you know, one more birdie. That would have been amazing. Um, Cameron Young at 40 to one Keith Mitchell at 50 to one. Before I give you like the breaking news and the, and the other two guys, I do want to point out a lot of these guys do have afternoon tea times. Now, Thursday, I think what we've learned is it's there's not going to be much of an edge from a first round leader standpoint. The wind's probably going to be pretty low and consistent. I typically like morning times because the greens are going to be more receptive, especially these small greens. I think that's important. This is kind of subject to change if the weather changes. But I just do want to caution you. Most of these guys are afternoon guys. So Cameron Young, 40 to one. Keith Mitchell, 50 to one. Jonathan Vegas, 65 to one. Luke List, 90 to one. And the breaking news, the guy that is definitely going to be the first round leader tomorrow, or I should say on Thursday. Let me check his. Oh, he's a morning time too. So that's fortunate. Um, this is the guy that might even win the tournament. And uh, he's got the alliteration narrative going for him. He's got the I've won recently narrative going for him. He's got the I've contended recently narrative going for him. Joel likes him. I think Spencer likes him. The guy who's going to be your first round leader on Thursday evening is none other than Sepp Straka at 50 to one. Bank it. I love it. That's a and that's a lock, right? So like Yeah, it's an absolute lock. Surefire lock. Like a lock. Play that it's, accordingly. You know, make sure you probably want to get that in now before that's negative odds in the morning. So um wouldn't be the first time. There will also probably be would you just give how many first round leader plays did you give, Sia? Five. Five. So there'll probably be a four way tie with CS four at the top. All four of them will tie. He'll, he might miss yeah. one. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. You know, that's true. But, uh, that's a wrap for this week. It's going to be a fun week. Uh, drop in Discord. It'll be some weather updates. It'll be the secret weapon. Uh, <laughs> I've already changed that. probably <laughs> true. Um, did I forget anything? Uh, no, by the way, everybody's been really, really, really good in the chat. Um, it's too bad I'm not going to be here uh, next week, but Six is going to be here with Spencer, with Joel. It's going to be a very fun, uh, very informative show. So everybody come back. I'll be back the following Tuesday for it. But I appreciate everybody being in here, being so active. For those of you that are Wind Daily Sports members, I'm definitely going to be introducing David. Um, I don't know how much time he has. Keep in mind, he's on New Zealand time. So he's kind of like the reverse of, of, of our uh, time of day for the most part. But um, I'll be introducing him into our Discord just briefly in, in like an hour or so. So uh, come into the golf chat, meet him. I think everybody who's not a Wind Daily Sports member, if you haven't already, you can sign up, winddailysports.com. I think you get a free week just just right off the bat. Uh, I think that's if you're, if you're new. Um, so keep that in mind, go to windailysports.com, check out our content. It's not just a golf place. It's NBA, MLB. We do props. We pretty much do everything. So check us out. And uh, the only other thing I have to say is sports, sports, guys, sports.